Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily for Wednesday, February 23rd, as the Flyers have now lost six straight games. Score last night against the St. Louis Blues of 4-1. to one. Closer hockey game than that. Blues, two empty net goals. But an old friend reared its ugly head once again, and that is when the Flyers got the game tied. They gave up goal within a minute, and St. Louis regained the lead. Braden Shen opened the scoring at 11.50 into the first period on a third shot of a a rebound sequence for St. Louis. We'd end the first period with the Blues up 1-0 in the game. No scoring in the second period. Flyers went to the third, down a goal, and uh, like they did against Carolina, battled back and got the game tied. St. Louis 19-2-2 heading into that third period when leading after two periods of play. And the Flyers finally got on the board at 8.09 of the third period when Oscar Lindblom had a bit of a seeing-eye shot, get all the way through from the point to make it 1-1. Great play by Travis Sanheim to curl up and get him that puck. Good screen uh, applied by Scott Lawton, and the Flyers tied the game. Lindblom's eighth of the season. It ties his goal total from a season ago in that 56-game season. And Travis Konechny and Travis Sanheim each picked up the assist. But just 42 seconds later, at 8.51, Vladimir Tarasenko regained the lead for the St. Louis Blues. He picks up his 19th. He's able to get into the slot on a low-to-high play and get the goal, his 19th of the season. That gave the Blues the 2-1 lead. Then eventually, uh, empty net goals by Barbashev and Brandon Saad. 4-1 the final. Flyers go down against the Blues. Again, the Flyers play a very tight hockey game. It was kind of shocking that they were only down one nothing after two periods of play because at points in the game, a well-rested St. Louis team was really controlling the game over the Flyers who played the day before, and St. Louis just unable to put the puck in the net. Martin Jones kind of defied the odds of starting a goalie on back-to-back days. It's generally something, not something you want to do. Goaltenders' average save percentage in the NHL is about 9-12, and on a back-to-back that same goaltender save percentage is about 890, so it's a pretty pronounced difference. But Martin Jones played very well in the game. He was under uh, a lot, a lot of pressure, especially down low. That's where the St. Louis Blues like to work, right around the blue paint. Good area to do so. It's why they're one of the top-scoring teams in the NHL. And Martin Jones kept the Flyers in it. Flyers had uh, some good opportunities on Jordan Bennington, not to the same extent that St. Louis had on them. Shots in the game were actually dead even. Each team had 26, not a ton of shots in this one. A lot from the outside, and uh, Flyers go down, though, and it's a six-straight loss, and again, no moral victories. There were some guys in the game that I thought played really well, Travis Sanheim being one of them, jumping up in the play, providing offense, getting in on the rush, and not overstaying his rush opportunities and getting back defensively. Thought he was good in the game. Thought Travis Konechny was very good in the game as well. But all in all, not enough. And this Flyers team right now, uh, I kind of likened it on the radio broadcast to somebody that puts a you know $100 bill on a, on a fishing hook and on a fishing line that every time you bend over to try to grab that $100 bill, they reel in the line and you can't grab it. That's what wins feel like right now for this Flyers team. I don't think it's a situation where we see them not trying, them not giving max effort to stay in these games with the lineup that they have right now with so many guys out is kind of a testament to that. But pro sports are a results-oriented business. 
and you either win or you lose. And they've lost six straight. They won their last the last game they had scheduled in the month of January on January 29th. They won on February 1st. They haven't won since. They've lost 19 of their last 21 games, and it certainly feels like it. And I imagine frustration in that locker room has got to be extremely high, especially when you look at the last four games that were all there. They were in it heading into the third period and just unable to secure a victory. Incredibly frustrating, I'm sure, and frustrating for the fan base and you guys as well, me included. And uh, they won't be back at it until game four of this eight-game homestand coming up on Saturday with the team that started it. That would be the Washington Capitals before turning the calendar to March and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl coming in with the Edmonton Oilers on March 1st. But next up is the Washington Capitals. But in this episode, we're going to get to some Twitter questions. thought it was another good opportunity to put some questions out. We're going to get back to our series in the next couple of days on what's wrong with the Flyers. And just real quick before we get to Twitter questions too, just want to tell you guys kind of what's coming up over the next week. Uh, This week, we're going to have a conversation that I'll be recording with Bill Meltzer on Thursday with Flyers assistant GM Brent Flair. We're going to get an update on the prospects, the college guys, the guys playing in Europe. Matter of fact, Brent right now is in Europe. So we'll talk to him coming up on Friday's episode. We're also going to talk with uh, the Flyers director of player personnel, Alan McCauley. He's going to be a guest of ours coming up uh, this week as well. And then also next week, I've gotten access to talk with Ian Anderson on the podcast. Ian Anderson is the Flyers' head of analytics. Um, I originally just asked to speak with him, not for the podcast, just to kind of gain some background and more knowledge since the Flyers have expanded their analytics department now to five full-time employees. So I wanted to kind of gain some background with the differences between team analytics and the public analytics that we see and how they deploy those analytics and much more. So I've been granted access to do that from Chuck Fletcher, and we're going to speak with Ian Anderson, and you're going to hear it. So I'm looking forward to that conversation quite a bit. They just hired two more people in the analytics department, which we talked about about a week or 10 days ago, and we're going to speak with the head of the analytics department, Ian Anderson, coming up on an episode next week. So with that, let's get to Twitter questions. First question comes from Instigators889, frequent tweeter to Flyers Daily, good Twitter guy. He says, yes, for a question, why were the Flyers Flyers not all in on Eichel? Uh, Jack Eichel, of course, got traded from Buffalo to the Vegas Golden Knights. He is back playing, had a goal the other night. Uh, good to see him back playing, and we'll see uh, how he's able to get his game back in order. Missed 11 months, I think it was, where he didn't play and had that surgery that on his neck that was really the bone of contention, which led him to be traded from the Buffalo Sabres. Um, it's rare that a player like Eichel is available and on the market. The price was obviously very high. And also, you know, the cap situation for Eichel is something that eventually Vegas will have to deal with. They have Mark Stone on LTIR right now, and that's helping them. But I think it was a a situation for the Flyers and Eichel where they couldn't make the cap number work. And I don't know that they had the pieces in a deal to go to Buffalo to make the deal work when you see what Vegas gave up. Mertidis's communion suit <laughs> tweets in. This guy made this account a long time ago when I was being made fun of for one of my suits from uh, 
when I worked with Mike Missanelli. He said, I was there tonight at the game, and to me it looks like they're playing some type of passive zone box in their own end. He said, why? Many times for forwards, just kind of either man, but don't really engage or battle them. Is this a yo thing? It's not just lazy players because it happened way too often. The defense is not good enough to support that style. I think the forwards need to support much more. The second period, particularly the Blues, just effortlessly moved around in our end like they were on the power play. He said, I don't know, just my thoughts. You see this at all. Look, in the D zone, you want to give them the outside, outside the dots, and you're fine with them possessing the puck there. Now, you don't want them to keep it in your D zone, but St. Louis is a team that loves to work the puck back to their points to spread you thin defensively and then work towards the middle. You saw it precisely on the game-winning goal from Vladimir Tarasenko. They worked it back to their points, then down the wall, below the goal line, got it below the goal line, Tarasenko moves to the middle, is able to get a little bit of space. He had Isaac Ratcliffe all over him, and as he's falling, able to get a stick on that puck and puts it by Martin Jones. But, you know, St. Louis is a team that can hem you in. A lot of teams have hemmed the Flyers in defensively, and they defend too much, something Chuck Fletcher's talked about. The, the wingers and the center, the center's always supporting down low, and the wingers are kind of in charge of the point man and the weak side high slot. And when they work it in there, you got to make sure you pick up a guy. I don't know that they don't engage. I don't see that part of it, but you got to do a better job as a team. It, def- defense is five men. Offense is five men. And the only way to succeed in the NHL is to work as five-man units, no matter what zone you're in. Dean Tanner tweets in. He says, are Wilman and Mayhew actual NHL regulars we can consider moving forward? He said, they've been impressive in my eyes. Shore could use their determination and speed, something the Flyers have lacked. I mean, I don't think so. Um, Max Wilman has played 32 NHL games in his career. He's not a young guy. He's 27 years old. He spent four years in, or three years rather, in the AHL. Has marginal numbers in the AHL. Three goals in 24 games in his first year. Nine in his second. Eight goals in in 21-22. Granted, it was only in 15 games. He's now played 32 NHL games. I mean, he's a player that's got energy. Has an NHL skill set when it comes to the way he skates. But is he ultimately a, a fourth line player at the NHL level? I don't, I don't know that. And Jerry Mayhew is 29 years of age. He's been a great story. Six goals now in his last 11 games. Hasn't played a lot in the NHL. Has kind of defied the odds. But I think all in all, probably an area where you can upgrade on both of those players on your fourth line. But they are what the Flyers have right now. They don't have other options that are better. So for now, yes. Going forward, have to see what they add from a depth standpoint in the offseason. Michael Worster tweets in with a great question. He says, is there any explanation for why it seems like the Flyers are always on their heels after scoring a goal? It feels like they are giving up goals quickly after scoring every night. Well, it just doesn't feel that way. It has been a very negative trait. We started out the podcast talking about it. Last year, that was something that reared its head. Um, The numbers last year, the Flyers were second in the NHL in giving up a goal either after they scored a goal to tie a game, to score a goal to get within one, or score a goal to go up in a game 16 times. Now, that was a 56-game season. They were second in the NHL with the most 
occurrences of that. I'm not sure what the number is this year. I imagine it's at minimum close to double digits, but it feels like it happens way too often, and it happens at key moments. When you score a goal, that's a way to capture momentum. And when you give up a goal within a minute after, that's a way to quickly lose that momentum. And, you know, a lot of times we looked at it, and we've talked about it on the podcast before. What's the line that goes on the ice after you score a goal? The perception was that it was the fourth line too often. That wasn't the case. Also, it's about bench management, and you got to see what line is fresh. And the occasion yesterday, it was actually the top line. It was the Drew Atkinson, um, Isaac Ratcliffe line that went out and got scored on. Blues responded after losing the lead. Good teams do that. Flyers got to find a way to lose that trait because that can't happen. You have to grab when you grab momentum in a game by scoring. You have to then take that momentum forward for a period of time. Otherwise, you're back defending again too much. Shane Rowan tweets in. He says, "This look, look. This might be a little over criticizing, but at the end of the second period, Flyers power play, PP one moved the puck very well. Had two very good scoring chances. Why would they come out?" Uh, with PP2 to start the third period. He said that uh, peed me off a little bit. Um, That's a good question, and it's one I have as well, because you're right. That 90 seconds of power play time that they had at the end of the second period was a good power play. They good opportunities. Puck rolled on Giroux when he had pretty much a pretty open net to shoot at on a sharp angle, and he couldn't believe that he didn't bury it. And then you know, you have the period break. So power play number one's not tired at that point. Put them back out there on the clean ice and try and get something done. I wasn't sure uh, why Mike Yo decided to do that as well. Certainly something that I would think I would have put power play number one back on the ice. Morgan Frost was on that power play, moved up to the top unit. Keith Yandel was put on the top unit in Ivan Provorov's position. So power play number one is Giroux, James Van Riemsdyk, Morgan Frost, Travis Konechny, and Keith Yandel, and they ran a good power play and had good opportunities. I would have put that power play unit back on the ice to start the third. Vinny tweets in and says, I find it funny that the Flyers gave out gritty fanny packs pregame that don't even meet the building's bag requirements. Well, they give out beer steins too, but you can't bring those in, so who really cares? Michael Hannigan tweets in and says, What happens with the coaching situations? Does Chuck like Yo's approach to remove the interim tag, or do old rumors resurface? and they hire Tockett. Um, I, I don't think that decision's been made. I think it's unlikely that Mike Yo continues beyond this season as the head coach. I think that you have to see what direction the team goes in from you know, a, a roster-building standpoint, because there's a lot of variables here. Giroux's on the final year of a deal. Ristolainen, these are players that are likely to be moved to the deadline. Braun, how do they replace those players? Are they replaced with veterans? Do you have a veteran team that's trying to push, are you more in a development mode? There's certain coaches for a younger team. There's certain coaches for an older team. So that, I think, is very much to be determined when it comes to Tockett or whoever the next coach may be for the Philadelphia Flyers. JMD690 tweets in. He says, I've been a fan since 67, and this is the most uncompetitive team I have seen. I know they are injured, but even if healthy, this team is a few years away from competing with top-level teams. Scott and Fletcher are dreaming if they think they are three or four players fix this mess. Well, there's going to be a lot of turnover anyway because of the players, like I just said, that will be moved. But things change very quick in the NHL JMD. 
So let me take you back to the 2018-19 season. In that season, it was Dave Haxtall's last season, and then Scott Gordon was brought in as the interim head coach that year. The Flyers finished with a record of 37-37-8, and 82 points. They finished sixth in the Metropolitan Division and obviously did not make the playoffs. That team, the leading scorer on the team was Claude Giroux with 85 points in 82 games. Sean Couturier, a 76-point season. Voracek, Konechny, JVR. Shane Gostisbehere, we know of some of the other players. Wayne Simmons played 62 games that season and was traded. Uh, Nolan Patrick was obviously still on the team. Radko Gudis, Michael Raffle, Dale Weiss, Jordan Wheel, Phil Veroni played a good amount of games. Ryan Hartman played a little bit as part of the, one of those deals. Some of the guys on D, Phil Myers, we know the names. That team, not very good. Not, not as bad as this team right now, record-wise, not very good. That next year, that offseason, they went out and they signed Kevin Hayes. A lot of people didn't like the contract, myself included, in full transparency. But he came in to be your second-line center, because and Nolan Patrick was obviously out for the entirety of the next season, the 1920 season. In comes Elaine Vigneault. Uh, they also added Matt Niskanen, a 33-year-old defenseman. And they also added Tyler Pitlick. Those are the big changes that they made that offseason. Tyler Pitlick and a 33-year-old Matt Niskanen, and Kevin Hayes, who gave you 23 goals in 69 games and 41 points. And they went from a team that finished sixth with 82 points in 82 games to a team that finished 41-21-7, 89 points, seven points ahead of where they were the year before, mind you, in 69 games, and finished second in the Metropolitan Division. Obviously went on to the playoffs in the bubble, got to the second round, lost in seven games to the New York Islanders. But that being said, did Pitlick, Niskanen, and Kevin Hayes, three players, look at the difference they made. They made a huge difference. And none of those players are what you would consider high-end talent. Matt Niskanen, really good player, fit, and filled a need and slotted the defense properly. Kevin Hayes came in helped you up the middle, helped your penalty kill, and also gave you some timely scoring. And then Tyler Pitlick rounded out your bottom six with a guy that could kill penalties, give you the uh, goal here and there, and play a role. Those three players made a huge difference on that team because it slotted things correctly. Slotting is so key. Again, I don't know what how much you can rely on the health of Ryan Ellis. But things change very quickly in the NHL. Ryan Schiffler tweets in. He says, real simple, what is wrong with Provorov? Provorov was a minus four in the game last night. I think it's been four times in 410-odd games that he has been uh, minus four or more. Uh, It's rarity, but clearly he is a player. He doesn't look injured. He's a player right now that's got a crisis of confidence. And is thinking on the ice. And in the NHL, we've talked about it. You just don't have time to think. When you think, that's when you force a decision, and oftentimes that's a bad decision. You've got to play on instincts, and you got to play uh, very decisively. And right now, it doesn't look like he's doing that. And, I mean, uh, he was a minus four in the game, and I thought the most egregious play, he had a backhand that he threw up the middle in the second period of that game, and uh, just a horrible giveaway but the St. Louis Blues did not score on it. But right now, he is a player 
that's really suffering from a confidence standpoint. They got to figure out a path to get him back to being the player and on the trajectory that he was. W. Browdy tweets in. He says, why would any quality free agent sign with the Flyers after three out of four bad seasons? Real simple. First of all, they're well thought of around NHL circles. We had Sean Shapiro from The Athletic on who did that article about the Flyers being one of the preferred, the third highest preferred destination that agents would push their players to because of the way they treat players, because of the city, because of a, a lot of different elements. But players sign for opportunity where they fall in a lineup, and they also sign for money. All right, that's going to put a wrap on Twitter questions and put a wrap on this episode of another brand new one coming up tomorrow. So everybody, thanks for listening and try and enjoy your Wednesday. And we'll talk to you on a brand new Flyers Daily tomorrow.